And um, basically, what we've been talking about is the idea that when you and I are born, we're born sinners, and we have a sin nature, and that's the way we grow and develop. And what happens is God offers us salvation. He offers us eternal life. And so when we come to a point that we realize that we are a sinner and we need a Savior and we put our faith and trust in Christ, what God does as a metaphor, so to speak, you know, take it too far, but as a metaphor, God comes in and chops that growth off and grafts himself onto our lives. And now we're torn because we have a root stock that always wants to come up and sprout and, and produce in the, in, the, in the botany world suckers that actually will suck life out of the graft. And that's what Satan is constantly trying to do. But Galatians chapter 5, Paul says he has given us the fruit of the Spirit and he gives us nine characteristics or descriptions of what that fruit looks like. And so we've been talking about those. We've talked about the idea of, we've gone through four so far, love, joy, peace, patience, or long-suffering is the one that we talked about last week. And we've talked about the idea that um, God allows us to respond that way in spite of people, in spite of circumstances, in spite of situations. That just because... um, A circumstance is difficult doesn't mean we can't have peace. Just because someone is unloving to us doesn't mean that we we can't be loving. And we've talked about the idea that although Satan wants us to respond in a certain way, and our nature is to respond in a certain way, God has a much better way for us to respond. And so that's what we've been through. So from Galatians chapter 5, here's what the the passage says, and we'll get to our next one this morning. Basically, here's uh, Galatians 5. Oh, I got to wait for it to get. There we go. The fruit of the Spirit is love. We talked about that. Uh, love instead of fear. We talked about joy in spite of circumstances and people and situations and worry. Um, pay, peace, the idea that we can have not just peace with God, but the peace of God that passes all understanding. Last week, we talked about the idea of patience. This morning, Um, forbearance is the way the NIV says it. Uh, This morning, we're going to look at the next one, which is kindness, right? So let me, I got to give you a lot of background. We're going to do a lot of Bible history stuff for a minute and get a good foundation, and then we're going to jump into how it applies to us, okay? Uh, If I were to ask you what is the most important, one of the big themes of the New Testament, Something that you see over and over and over again in the New Testament. What word would come to mind or what idea would come to mind? You, you can talk. Huh? Love, love comes up quite a bit. Uh, love is mentioned about 140 times. It tends to be a big theme. If you don't know anything about the Bible, a lot of people know that, that Jesus was about love or God was about love. Or, you know, you go to a wedding and we use 1 Corinthians 13 and we talk about love. Um, you... you you, most people know John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Um, but it'd be interesting to note that love is mentioned about 140 to 150 times in the New Testament. What's interesting is, what if I asked you what is a big theme of the Old Testament, what would you say? Now we're kind of stuck, aren't we? Because it's like, well, I don't really, like uh, holiness maybe, or... God's power, or, you know, you have all of these ideas. But if you're a student of the Old Testament, 
Um, what's going to happen is, as you study the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi, and you start digging into it, and you start coming across, um, you start reading Bible scholars and, and, and themes and this kind of stuff, there are a couple of concepts that come up. And one of them is the one we're going to look at this morning called hesed. Okay? Um, uh, and so I've got to give you a little bit of background for it so that you understand it, and then we'll develop it, and we'll see how it ties to this fruit of the Spirit that we're talking about this morning. <clears throat> this idea of hesed in the Old Testament is mentioned almost 250 times. There's even more than love in the New Testament. I understand that there's more Old Testament than New Testament. But this concept of hesed is really, really big. Okay? So let me walk you through it a little bit and, and, and tell you what, uh, oop, there we go, uh, tell you where we are. Hosea is where we're, is probably the best illustration of this, or the best understanding of this passage, all right? this idea of hesed. <clears throat> Hosea is a prophet. He's, in, uh, he's a prophet to Israel. Israel has turned away from God. They have, they, 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 you know, if you remember the Old Testament, it's like good king, bad king, good king, bad king, good. God kept trying to get their attention and he'd give them a bad king and then they would repent and then he'd give them a good king and then they would get away from God and then he'd give them a bad king and going back and forth and back and forth. And um, so Hosea writes to the children of Israel, God's people, and he wants to get their attention, which was a, a big idea for the prophets. They were trying to wake people up, so to speak. And here's what it says, Hosea chapter 6. Hosea is one of my favorite minor prophets. I, I love Hosea, and so uh, sometime I'll do a series on him again, but uh, here, here it is. Come, let us return to the Lord. So he's talking to the, his God's people. He says, let's return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces but he'll heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us, and on third day, he'll restore us, that we may live in his presence. He says, Israel, wake up. You've gotten away from God, and, and I know that you're hurting, and I know God sent a lot of judgment on your life, but God wants to make this right. He just wants you to come back. And he says, let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he'll appear. He will come to us like the winter rains and the spring rains that water the earth. These were <clears throat> essential rains that were dependent uh, in order for the harvest to come. He said, God will be like that refreshing rain, and all of a sudden it, it, it's exactly what we need when we need it. He said, that's what God will do. But listen to what he says about the children of Israel. Uh, he goes on to, I got a thumb problem, but anyway, here we go. <clears throat> what can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? These were God's people, okay? Your love is like the morning mist and the early dew that disappears. He said, he said you say that you love God, but he said, your love for God is like the dew. You get up in the morning and, and the ground's all wet, and an hour later, everything's gone. He said, you, you're talking about the idea that you love God. He said, it's like a mist. One minute it's there and the next minute it's gone. He said, therefore, I cut you in pieces with my prophets. I killed you with the words of my mouth. Then my judgments go forth as a son. He, God said, look, I, I, I sent the prophets and they prophesied against you and they chewed you out and they've done everything they can to get your attention. And then listen to what he says. He goes into the next passage and he says, 
For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. You see that word mercy? Hesed. That's our word. God said, look, the thing that I want from you, Israel, you, you say that you love me, but an hour later it's, you're on a different road. I want mercy. I want hesed from you. Not sacrifice. An acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. He said, it's great that you're doing all of this stuff, but it doesn't count because you're not really doing it from your heart. It's not real. I want from you, I want from my people, hesed. Okay? When you look at different versions of the Bible, here's how hesed is translated throughout the Old Testament. Um, sometimes it's translated as mercy. Um, it's translated as kindness. Sometimes you'll see, and here's where it's a big flag in a King James, is loving kindness. Um, sometimes you'll see it as steadfast love. Sometimes it's translated loyalty. Uh, sometimes it's translated unfailing love. Here's the, here's the concept of hesed. Now I'll give you a couple of Bible examples in a second. It is this concept about God that tries to answer the question, why did God keep hanging on to Israel? I mean, when you read the Old Testament, don't you sit back and go, God, what are you doing? Just wipe them out and start over. They're, you know, they're not paying attention. They're not loving you. I mean, you, you're good to them, and all of a sudden they rebel against you. They go, they go and make, make graven images and altars and worship Baal, and they do all of this crazy stuff. God, why are you doing that? Why don't you just wipe them out and start all over? You know why? Hesed. We know it in the New Testament as love, but it's this, it's this idea of God's loyal and God's committed and God's going to be kind and God's going to be gracious and God's going to be merciful for them, even though they don't deserve any of it. Why? Because God is a God of hesed. God is a God of mercy, kindness, love. There's an interesting theological question is, did God, was God kind first? It's a chicken or the egg thing. Was God, was God a God of Hesed who offered a covenant to Israel? Or was God a covenant God who, because of his covenant, offered Hesed to Israel? The issue is, why in the world did God do this? Is it because of he was God or was it because of his commitment to Israel? And the answer is yes. It's both. Because God is a God of Hesed. There's, there, let me give you two Bible stories that will help you um, kind of uh, uh, cement this uh, idea together a little bit. Um, you remember the story of uh, Joseph? And um, he has to interpret the dreams of the, the butler, the baker, and the candlestick maker. I mean, you, you, okay, you, you remember that story? Okay. <clears throat> when, when he interprets the dream... Some of you would get that. You'll wake up and get it in a minute. But anyway, and when he interprets the dream of those two guys, he gets done with it, and he looks at them, and he says, I ask that you remember me. Hesed. When you get, when you get restored, you're going to lose your head. But when you get restored, I want you asking one thing. Tell the king I'm down here. 
and he gets forgotten. Okay? But what he asks of, that, of, the, uh, of, of the, the, the prisoner is, I want to be remembered. I want you to show me kindness when you get to be restored to the king and tell him about my situation. That's what he asked for. <clears throat> and another story, if you remember David and Saul, and King David ends up having wiped out all of Saul's, uh, Saul was the, the, the enemy, and Saul ended up, basically, they, they ended up wiping out all of Saul's family, and that was, that was not uncommon. When a new king took over, you basically wanted to make sure no one else would take the throne, so he wiped everybody out. So, and, and so everybody's wiped out, and David comes to a point where he asks about Saul's family. He said, is there anybody in Saul's family that's still alive? And they go, well, there's one guy, Mephibosheth. He was a cripple. And back then, you didn't have to worry about executing a cripple because a cripple couldn't be king. So he was no threat to the kingdom. So they let him live when they went out and massacred all of Saul's relatives. They said, there's one guy, Mephibosheth. And David said, I want you to bring him to me. Now, normally, you would have brought him and he would have just killed him. But David said, I want to show him hesed. I want to show him kindness. I want to bring him into to, to our little group. I want him to f- eat here. I want us to take care of Mephibosheth until the day that he dies. And they ask David, they say, David, why are you doing this? And David says, because God showed me kindness. And because Jonathan showed me kindness, I want to show kindness to Mephibosheth. So the idea was, because I have been shown hesed, and because... Jonathan, Saul's son, showed me hesed. I am now in a position to show hesed, kindness, mercy. And I want to do that to Mephibosheth, okay? That's the Old Testament idea. Got it? All right, jump to the New Testament. New Testament, there's, and we we talked about this when we were in uh, the book of Ephesians uh, forever. Here's what it says. And God raised us up with Christ. He seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that the coming ages he might show the incorruptible riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. We talked about this idea that God sent Christ and we have been placed in Christ. And the reason was because of kindness. Because of God's kindness. Because God was kind. He showed, just as he showed Hesed to the Old Testament Israel... He shows hesed to us in offering us salvation. Then you come a little bit later in the book of Ephesians and hear what it says. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forget, just as in Christ God forgave you. Here, when Paul writes to the people at Ephesus, he goes, look, you just need to be kind to each other. You need to be compassionate because God was kind and compassionate to you. Now, here's a little side note, but I think it's fascinating. The word in the Greek language, the, the, the idea in the Greek language for kind, the word kind, is the word, uh, and I want to say it wrong, but I'll get close enough, crostasis, uh, uh, okay? What does that sound like to you, crostasis? Huh? Christ, yeah, Christos, Christos. The early church 
there was a question in the early church whether the early Christians were following Christ or whether they were following Christos, kindness. In other words, as they looked at these people, one of the things that they observed about them in this dog-eat-dog culture world of Greeks and Romans was they were incredibly kind to people. So one of the questions came, are you guys followers of Christ? Are you followers of kindness? We can't tell the difference. Because they were known, not just because they were followers of Christ, but they were also known for their kindness. Um, the mercy, the, the gentleness, that kind of thing. So with that in mind, let's talk about some things that, that we can wrestle with for us. Look, we live in an incredibly cruel, harsh world. And you know what? It's easy to become that way without even thinking about it. It's easy to jump on a bandwagon because your feathers got ruffled, because somebody did something that you don't like. And before you know it, we are acting in the same way that the world acts. That's that rootstock coming up where we trend to be unkind. I watch spouses do it. I watch parents do it with children. I watch children do it with adults. I watch people do it in their interactions in business. If you, don't, if you don't believe this is true, spend five minutes on Facebook. Look at the text that you write back and forth. And, and, and one of these things is we, we, we're in this impersonal world where we just think we can say anything or do anything. Okay, I, don't, I love you older people, but I'm going to tell you right now. This idea that because you're old, you can say what you want. I understand you think you have that right, but you do not have the right to say unkind things. Period. Why? Because you and I are commanded to be kind. We are to be people of kindness. That's the idea. That's how we should respond as Christians. So we have to really be careful here. Because what happens is, and, and here's the idea. What kindness does is it forces me to think about you, not about me. You get that? If I'm going to be kind, I can't say what I want. And I can't do what I want. I have to think about how what I am going to say or what I'm going to do is going to impact you. Okay? Um, let me talk to kids for a minute. And let me define kids. Under 35, all right? <clears throat> And as I get older, that number moves, all right? Um, so let me talk to kids for a second. One of the problems that I have with what's happening right now in the generation in which you're growing up in, um, this, gender, this gender identity thing is driving me nuts, okay? And, and I'm going to tell you why it's driving me nuts, okay? Um, and, and it's a real issue. I'm not, I'm not trying to blow it off, Okay? But here's my problem with the whole gender identity thing. You know what the whole premise of gender identity is? I see myself this way. And I demand that you see me this way. That's my problem. My problem is you're coming to me and saying, I have to see you the way that you see you. And the problem with that is, is here. There's six billion people in the world. So that means I have to be able to identify six billion gender identities. That's insane. 
And then you're going to expect me or companies or groups to accommodate six billion different identities. That's crazy. That, 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 that there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a logical, illogical jump that you have to do in order to do that. Anytime you have somebody going, I demand that you see it my way, that's not kindness. That's selfishness. That's self-centeredness. I'm a Christian. Okay? I don't demand that you become Christian. I'll share Christ with you. I'll talk to Christ about you. But I'm not going to demand that you see everything the way I see everything. Why? Because that's not what you should do. That's a self-centered world. And if you haven't figured it out yet, you will figure it out. A self-centered world ultimately will collapse upon you. It will not be fulfilling. You will come to a point that people go, you know what, forget it. And, and that's what's important is when we talk about kindness, what we're talking about is I'm going to step outside of my world and I'm going to say, you know what, look, I am going to try to be kind and gracious to you in spite of how you are to me. Um, it means that I have to put you first. Okay? Um, here, here's the idea behind kindness. And, and here's what happens when we practice kindness. When we practice kindness to people, we give them value. We help them to see that they are important and they are valuable. Uh, one, of the wife, one of the questions my wife has been, you know, my wife, she works with five-year-olds all the time, so she has all this, like, brilliant wisdom that, that you know, I forget. And so um, every once in a while we'll, we'll pick up Claire or something or we'll have Claire over, and, and she doesn't ask Claire, how was your day at daycare? One of the questions that she always asks her is, were you kind today? And then, she, and of course, she'll go, yes. And then she'll go, how were you kind today? And it's a much better question. Because it, it, it shapes that instead of, you know, did you get in trouble today? You know, which is the question I always ask my children growing up. Did you get in trouble today? Yes. You know, well, the teacher said I didn't. No, 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 no. The teacher was right. You were wrong. Um, but I mean, it's this, it's this idea of, you, you know, it starts to shape. It's like, how are you kind? Because that's a big, important thing. It's this idea of your day wasn't about you. It was about what you could do for somebody else. It's about how you treated somebody else. And, and, and that is so important. Here's my question to you as adults. Were you kind this week? And if you were, How? Oh, I like that question, preacher. Well, talk to Jean. She's the one that came up with it. <laughs> I mean, really, because it, should that not be true of us? Should we not be people of kindness? Should we not be known for our kindness? And what are we often known for? Anything but kindness. We're known for our opinions and, and blast feed stuff all over the Internet and all this... Instead of saying, you know what, I, hey, look, you know what, I don't, I, I don't like them. They do that whole Christian thing, and they're off the wall, and I think they're goofy as a $3 bill. But you know what, i got to say, they are kind. They are kind. They are people of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. The one thing I can say about them, I don't like them, but 
You know, I do like those things about them. That's ultimately what I want the world to say. And so what happens is when I'm kind to somebody, I give them value. Think about it for a minute. Would you really want to be a waitress or a waiter in this culture? So why can't it be that when we sit at their table, they walk away at the end of the day going, you know what, this was a horrible day, but I had one table. They were kind to me. Would you really want to stand as a cashier all day long dealing with the public? Why can't you and I be the ones to be kind to them? Salesmen. Are you ready for this? Your spouse. You know, you take for granted that people are closest to you sometimes. And, and I know people who can't even be kind to their spouse. Come on. Your children. Kids. How kind are you to your parents? How kind are you to other kids in your school? How, uh, let's get really, oh, you, know, you know me, I like meddling, so here we go. How kind are you to the teachers that teach your children? How kind are you to the coaches who coach your kids? All right, I'm going to get everybody on this one. How kind are you to the people who are refing the games? And the calls that they make? Are we, are we getting there? Getting everybody at this point? Okay. You see what I'm saying? I, I, I'm getting a point that, look, we need to be a people of kindness. How kind are you in the things you put on Facebook? How kind are you in the text that you go back and forth with your spouse or your kids or whoever else all day long? People of kindness. We want to be associated with kindness. Because when we do that, it, it gives people value. The, the other side of it is... Kindness means that I'm going to put myself aside. I'm going to listen to you. Guys, listen. I know we are fixers. Okay? First, anytime something breaks, we want to fix it. I get that. You know? At a wedding last night, Claire's there. She's playing with the, you know, playing with the candle and the thing and the thing and counting the marbles and dumping it all out on the table. It was, it was the electric candle thing, you know? I look over and the candle did, wasn't lit. And I'm like, Claire, you want Grandpa to fix it? You know? And of course, Claire's like, no, nah, it's working. Um, you know, I mean, it, but it was like, I want to fix it right away. I want to get it fixed. I want to fix it. You know? I thought the battery was gone. thought the switch got turned. I wanted to fix it. Guys, we're like that. You want to know what our wives want sometimes? They don't want it fixed. They just want you to listen. You want know the hardest thing for me to do? When my wife starts telling me about her day, I want to fix it. Well, you know, you just need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this, and it won't be a problem anymore. Okay, solved. All right, what are we doing next? She just wants me to listen to her day. And, and I had to realize, you know what? She's with five-year-olds for eight hours. I, I, I can't handle it for five minutes. I mean, I go into her class, they all start lining up at the desk, and they're all fidgety and stuff like that. I'm like, back away, this is my space. I'm going to talk to my wife, I want to get out of the room. Okay. So you can sit there for five minutes while I, you know, fortunately she's, you know, she's, 
She's like, I'm talking to an adult, go sit down, you know. She's brilliant at this stuff. But for me, and, and so I have to realize, you know, she's done that for eight hours. I, I, I'm, I, on some days, I'm the first adult she's talked to. The last thing she wants is some adult fixing stuff. You know, yes, honey, oh, that's horrible. Yep, uh-huh, yep, I, yeah, I felt the same way about that kid. Yep, uh-huh, yep, right, yep. When this parent, and it's so, well, just call the parent, email them, do this, you know, go these four points and you're done. Uh, you just need to listen. Kindness. Kindness. Giving people the, the, the credibility and that kind of thing. And my challenge to you this, is this. Are we going to be people of kindness this week? Are we, are we going to practice kindness? Um, there's an old story. I don't know if it's true or not. Personally, I don't think it's true, but it's a great story, so I'm going to tell it anyway. It was about a college kid who was at college, and, and typical college kid, you know, dressed like a typical college kid, act like a typical college kid, um, you know, did the whole, you know, holy gene thing, you know, goofy hair, you know, you know, all the typical things that college kid did years and years ago. They still do some of it. But um, if you haven't figured out, it all cycles back. So adults, you know, don't throw away any of your old stuff. You know, wide ties are coming back in. I got a whole collection of them in a box. Uh, you, you know, stuff cycles around. So anyway, so you know, I look at the jeans these kids are wearing now, and I'm like, you know, we called those work clothes when I was growing up. But all right. Um, you know, there were some serious money, by the way, the old ones. But uh, so anyway, so typical kid, he, there was a conservative church across the street, super high conservative church, you know, ties, suits, everybody formal, everything. And the guy decided he's going to go to church. So walks in, church was full, didn't know where to sit. So he walked down the aisle, plops down on the floor in the middle of the aisle. <laughs> you know, if you've ever been to some of these conservative churches, that's like, I mean, you know, you got people coming unglued at this point. And it's like, who's going to say something? An old deacon. No, we let the old deacons take care of it. So the old deacon starts making his way down with his cane, all the way down to the aisle. Everybody's like, oh, good, he's going to solve this problem for it. The old deacon gets all the way down there. Guy's sitting on the floor. Deacon puts his cane off to the side. Takes him a little while, gets all the way down, sits on the floor next to him for the rest of the service. Pastor gets up after all this has happened, and he said, uh, he said, the message I'm going to preach, you're never going to remember. He said, but what you just saw, you'll never forget. Kindness. Kindness. I want to challenge you this week. We live in a cruel world. We live in a world that at every turn tears down. We live in a world that's a dog-eat-dog -dog world. It's all about you. A world of kindness puts other people in front of me. A world of kindness says, you know what? I'm going to give you value, and I'm going to give you respect, and I'm going to give you honor, and I'm going to listen to you, and I'm going to try to encourage and build you up. And if you're a waiter or a waitress, I want you to know I'm going to be kind to you. And if, if you're some obnoxious person who's in my workplace and drives me nuts every day, this week, I'm going to be kind to you. And if you're coming in there with a big chip on your shoulder and yelling, hollering, screaming, and ranting and raving, and it's everything in me to give you back everything you're getting, I'm going to be kind to you. And when somebody posts that silly thing on Facebook that lights your fire, 
you're not going to respond like you normally respond. You're going to respond in a kind way. Or you're not going to respond at all. That's better thing to do. You're going to be kind this week. Kids, you're going to be kind to your parents this week. You're going to be kind to your spouse this week. You're going to put their needs in front of you. You're going to look at the world from the perspective of how can I be kind and show hesed, kindness, mercy, graciousness. Because this week, this day, I'm going to be able to look at Mrs. Thomas and say, this is how I was kind today. Because, you know, I haven't been asked that question because a lot of times I, don't, I can go the whole day and not see anybody. So, you know, the biggest issue for me comes down to was I kind of Lulu, my dog, today, you know, and, and, and that's okay. I'm, I'm good with her. Um, we're good with that. I just want to challenge this week, folks. Look, God desires kindness from his children. Because God has shown us great kindness, we have to show kindness to a lost world. The world must know they are valued and we desire a relationship with them. They need to see a group of people who possess kindness, love, joy, peace, patience. And it will make a difference because that's not how their friends and neighbors and the rest of the world is living. Let's pray. Lord, use us. God, it's easy sometimes to get so bent out of shape over stuff that gets under our skin. Lord, ultimately, you hung in with Israel and gave them opportunity after opportunity, showing them love and loyalty and kindness and mercy and graciousness. Lord, you did the same thing with us. Lord, for some of us, Lord, you pursued us for a long time. And no matter how we treated you, you were incredibly kind and gracious and merciful to us. Lord, as we go into this day, may we show that to the people around us as well. May they see a group of people who are Christ followers practicing kindness so that they can ultimately come to see our Savior. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing the first verse of Only Trust Him.